Praise the Lord. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 15. In verse 13, Matthew chapter 15, verse 13. But he answered and said, Every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted shall be rooted up. Praise the Lord. As we go through life, many things attempt to get into our lives by what we read, what we hear, sometimes even what we eat. And Jesus said in another place that while men slept, the enemy comes and makes a plant. And it is the will of God that whatever is not planted by God himself, it needs to be what? Rooted out. Why? Because the Bible says, every good and perfect gift comes from who? That which does not come from him is bad and needs to be rooted out. So each and every one of us this afternoon will pray one prayer. Oh God, whatever is in my life, not planted by you, uproot it. Whatever is in my family, not planted by you, uproot it. Whatever is in this church, not planted by you, uproot it. Whatever is in this nation, not planted by you, uproot it. Why don't we close our eyes and pray, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, we bless your name because only good gifts and perfect gifts come from you. And everything else that has been planted in our lives, in our circumstances, in our situations, in our families, that is not by you, even in this church and in this land. Lord, we are asking by the power of the Holy Ghost, that you will uproot in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, whatever be their tap root, we cut them off this afternoon. Lord, let them be rooted out from our lives in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. We're going to pray as we look into the word of God. That God's word will open our eyes. And give us understanding of his will. So that we will walk in his way. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we want to look at your word at this time, we pray. You open our eyes to behold wondrous things. Give us a revelation from heaven. And cause us to walk in your way. That your name will be glorified in our lives and in this church. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise the Lord. Today we'll start with uh, a chorus. I know he loves me better, whatsoever may be. I will follow him, follow Jesus. I know he loves me better, whatsoever may be. I will follow him, follow him. I know. He loves me better, whatsoever may be, I will follow Him. Father, we start with this dedication unto you, that whatever comes our way, we will follow you. For we know you love us more than we love ourselves. 
Lord, you have given us your son. Oh God, you did not withhold him because of your love. Father, we declare this day that whatever comes our way, we will follow you. We will follow you. Let the grace of heaven be made available to every one of us this afternoon. In the name of Jesus Christ. Blessed be your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's be seated. We're looking today at a message titled, God's power is manifested through our weakness. God's power is what? Manifested through our weakness. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, we begin to read there in verse 7. Unless I should be exalted above measure through abundance of the revelations, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Praise the Lord. This passage of the Bible contains great truths which God wants to reveal to us today. It says, My strength or my power is made perfect in weakness. How many of us want to be weak? <laughs> Big problem, isn't it? But how many of us want the power of God manifested in our lives? Praise the Lord. So how are we going to make it work? God says, my power is manifested where? But we don't want to be weak. Are we there? We need to be careful at what we read. You see, verse 10 says, I take pleasure in what? Pleasure means I enjoy. How many of us enjoy infirmities? <laughs> How many of us want to have the anointing of the Apostle Paul? Bible, is it? You know, in another place, you know the, the great prayer of the apostle? He said, oh, that I may know him. And the power of his word. He stopped there, didn't he? Did he stop there? The fellowship of his... We don't want to say it. We have to make it work. Everybody said the Bible will work in my life. You, you see, the problem is when we cut it into pieces, 
and we don't join it all together and take the whole counsel of God's word, it won't work. So we need to take the whole thing. God said his power is manifested where? Why? Because he said it will deliver you from pride. What was the reason for all this thing? He said, Paul, I've anointed you, I've given you revelations, I've given you so many things, and it will give you trouble. Initially, he didn't understand. They went to pray. And this is one thing about prayer. Prayer is so good. Why? Prayer will give you revelation from heaven. So he prayed three times. You know, the apostle, you know, he, he had anointing to pray as well, isn't it? Three times. Then he received a revelation. And you know what happened? He said, now, I'm very glad with trouble. In fact, the way he put it in 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 4, I'll just read the last part. 2 Corinthians chapter 7, let me read the whole thing. It said, Great is my boldness of speech towards you. Great is my glory in of you. I am filled with comfort. I am exceeding... Are we there? I am exceeding what? In all... It's one thing to be joyful, isn't it? To be joyful in trouble is already a very difficult thing. How many of us agree? Well, to be exceeding joyful in all tribulation, how is it? Is it in the Bible? Are we here? That is it. God said, my power is manifested through what? Weakness. How, 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 how bad is it? In First Corinthians chapter 4, I read from verse 9. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last, as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle, a ridicule, unto the world. And to angels and to men, we are fools for Christ's sake. But you are wise in Christ. But we are weak, and you are strong. You are honorable, but we are despised. Even unto this present hour, we both hunger and thirst, and are naked, and are buffeted, and have no certain dwelling place, and labor walking with our hands, being revived, we bless, being persecuted, we suffer it, being defamed, we entreat. We are made as the fields of the world, and are the offscoring of all things unto this day. When I read this passage, you know what comes to my mind? You know, scavenger. How many of us know scavengers? The people in, that go to the west beans, the, the dust beans, and are looking for something to eat. They are poorly clothed. They are homeless. You know, they are hungry. They are despised. Do you read that from this passage? Do you think such a person has any opportunity to be proud? If I tell you that this is the condition of service of being an apostle, what will you do? I'm sure you won't apply. But Paul said, it's not me alone. He said, all the apostles, they are in the same boat. 
And if you want to be an apostle that is in a different boat, you have to get a new Bible. <laughs> no, but this is it. You see, in Psalm 22, talking about the Messiah, in verse 6, it says, but I am a, and, and no man, a reproach of men, and despise of the people. All they that see me laugh me to scorn. They shoot out the lip. They shake the head, saying, He trusted on the Lord that he will deliver him. Let him deliver him, seeing he delighted in him. This is talking, David is referring to Jesus. What Jesus has asked his apostles and disciples to do, he himself has, he himself has gone through. How many of us agree? Jesus is a perfect example. He is not going to ask people to do anything that he himself has not eh, gone through. And yet we all know that great power was manifested in his life. Isn't it? The Bible says he was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power went about doing so also the apostles. But look at the condition of service. How many want to apply? Brethren, this is very serious. Is this in the Bible or not? You know, deception is this. When we hide part of the truth, and we, we only show people part of the truth, we are deceivers. How many of us agree? That's the meaning of deception. We have to take the whole counsel of God if it's going to work in our lives. It's not any formula. We have to take the whole, the totality. And what we are looking at today is how God's power can be manifested. It's not by any formula. It's by taking the whole counsel of God. Well, I can tell you there is soul power, there is spiritism, there are so many things going on. But that's not the power of God. I'm talking about the power of the Almighty God. And that power is not of us, it's of God. The Bible says power belongs to who? To God. And it's so important that we understand this. In Isaiah chapter 41. I read from verse 14. Say, fear not, thou womb, Jacob, and ye men of Israel. I will do what? Help thee. Say the Lord, and thy Redeemer, and the Holy One of Israel, behold, I will make thee a new sharp threshing instrument, having teeth. Thou shalt thresh the mountains, and beat them small, and shalt make the hills as sharp a womb. God said to the worm, what? Fear not. I will make you what? 
a new sharp threshing instrument. You know the worm is despised. It's weak, can be broken. You step on it without thinking or even knowing. But God said it is such an instrument that I will use to thresh down mountains. Don't we see that in, in the physical world? You know a worm. We all know what worm is. You know where the worm is? The scavenger. You, know, you remember? Scavenger. That's where we started. That's where you see worms. They're there, you know. Very soft. But you know these worms, they can drill holes. How many of us know that? Through trees. Tree, a tree is very strong, isn't it? But you know worms. Worms that you can just do this. What does the worm do? Drill a hole through a tree that you yourself, with your strength, cannot. Am I correct? God said the worm. Do you want to be a worm? want to be strong. And that's why the power of God is lacking. We need to understand that. You see, the idea that the spiritual man or man of faith is a superman is not in the Bible. You know superman? How many of you watch actors? You know actors. Everybody dies except... Just on time. <laughs> he knows what to do. <laughs> Look, faith, spirituality, doesn't make you an actor. You are not a superman. Actually, you are the opposite of that. That's the revelation of the Bible. We need to understand that great faith does not mean that you will have no troubles. How many of us want great faith? <laughs> Not the hands. You know the hand is up. Let me tell you. Great faith does not mean you will not have trouble. That's not it. You know, this, this idea of, you know, great faith, great man of God. Living in a where multi-million dollar mansions, flying about in expensive jets, and preaching deliverance all over the world—is it in the Bible? No. The, the apostles in the Bible had no dwelling place. Jesus said he had no place to lay his head, and it has not changed. Faith. Is not another tool to fulfill the American dream. How many of us know what the American dream is? Very few. It's a dream that every American will have a big house, a big car, a big salary, big everything. (laughs) And one man said concerning the American dream, that the reason they call it an American dream is because you have to be asleep to believe it. <laughs> but we are bringing it to the church. Praise the Lord. Well, this is the truth of the Bible. And we need to understand 
that the fact that you are having difficulties in your life doesn't mean that you are not spiritual. You heard what I said? Anyone that wants to accuse us that is because we have no faith and that's why we are having problems. That person has not read the Bible. Whatever else he has read is not there. How many of us agree with me? That's just the simple truth. So let nobody deceive us. It's so important that we realize that God works in ways that we cannot understand. And there is so much deception in the world today. And Peter put it this way, that men want to make merchandise of you. True, sweet, deceptive words. And if we come to this realization today, it is sufficient. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, I read verse 5. It says, perverse disputing of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness from such, withdraw yourself. Anyone that tells us that the reason why Jesus came is so that we will have prosperity and abundance on earth. That is the reason we come to Jesus. The Bible says we should run away from such people. Are we together here? <laughs> you can make a lot of money without uh, being a Christian. How many of us believe me? That's not why Jesus came. Jesus came to give us victory over sin and take us to heaven. How many of us know why Jesus came now? Yes. That's the exact reason. And so, we need to understand that the fact that we have problems in our lives doesn't mean that God cannot use us. Is that clear? Now, we need to understand this very deeply because you can have a particular problem in your life. And God can still use you with your problem to pray for people and deliver them from bigger problems than you have. And your problem may even be bigger than their own. It doesn't stop God from delivering them. You need to understand that. Don't let anything stop you. I'm going to talk about the Apostle Paul, which we have read about. You see, we know that God did mighty special miracles by the hand of Paul, isn't it? But look at Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians chapter 4, verse 13. Ye know how... Through infirmity of the flesh, I preach the gospel unto you at the first. 
and my temptation which was in my flesh, you despised not, nor rejected, but received me as an angel of God, even as Christ Jesus. Some people are making us to believe that a believer cannot fall sick because he has great faith. This is an apostle. He was preaching and he had infirmity in his flesh, in his body, ailment in his body. And he felt that this ailment would be a, a temptation to the people because the people will say, you are preaching to us. Uh, what about your own problem which we are seeing? Uh, you are not able to deliver yourself and you are preaching. Paul said he was surprised that this temptation, this thing was not a temptation to them, that they still received the word of God from him as if he was an angel. Do you see what I'm saying here? That you can have a big problem in your life. Big, big problem. Even the person you are preaching to can be seeing it. And you will preach to that person and the person will receive Jesus Christ and be delivered. Are we together here? And that is the truth. Why? So that you will not be proud. If I, if I say to us today, all of us sitting here, I say, anything that will make you proud, can you pray this afternoon that God take it away from my life? Anything that I have, whether it's money, whether it's my uh, whatever intellect or gift, and this thing is going to result in pride. Take it out. Do you know many people won't want to pray that prayer? But you know, God, 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 God does a perfect eh, job. So when he wanted to deliver Paul from, 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 from pride, he made him what? A scavenger. Is it not? Did that take the anointing away from him? He was still doing mighty things. And even if Timothy is sick and he cannot uh, heal him, he will take uh, a little uh, what? <laughs> Don't go and take little one. <laughs> what am I telling you? The power is of God. He delivers us from pride. Why? Because pride is the mother of sin. Pride is what? I will quickly read, read, a passage, uh, read something about Smith Wigglesworth. How many of us have heard of him? He was an apostle of faith. I'm reading from a book called uh, Apostle of Faith. You know, he was called because he did great things. In uh, one of the uh, passage, uh, passages written here, say miracles of healing we are wrought as he ministers to the people in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Yet, he was more sick than the people he prayed for. And he received no relief for himself. It could truly be said that he ministered in the infirmity of the flesh. He had great troubles. The kidney stones, the hemorrhage, everything. But in fact, sometimes when he is preaching, he has to quickly go relieve himself and come back. Because of the pain. And yet, he will preach and mighty things happen. Anything that tells you that because this problem is in your life, you cannot go and speak about the power and the love of God, tell that thing is from the devil. 
Are we here together? This is a great hindrance. If you are waiting for the day that God will take away all your problems before you go out, you will not go out. You will not have the joy of God. You will not overcome that problem. You will be with it. It's a great hindrance. That's why we need to understand this message. Praise the Lord. How many of us are together here? Very few. No, but God wants us to understand His whole counsel. Don't say that this situation does not glorify God. I cannot go out. No. That is ignorance of God's will. Do you know what ignorance means? Ignorance means we don't know what God's will is. Why? Because we need to understand that the love of God causes us to do what? Lay down our lives that others may live. So in the midst of your trouble, you go out to minister to others even if you have a bigger trouble. That is what it means to lay down your life for others. And you will see the power of God in your life as you do that. But if you sit down and focus on your problem, your problem will be with you and God will leave you alone. If God leaves you alone, let me tell you, it's only sorrow. Only what? Praise the Lord. So, my brother, my sister, we need to stand up and do the will of God regardless. That's why we sang that song. Whatsoever may be, I will follow because he loves me better. Praise the Lord. As time we permit, we'll look briefly at a few points here. The tribulation of the righteous. The first thing I want to say about this, the tribulation of the righteous. God said, my ways are not your. The way God thinks is different from us. Some of us think that if everything is going well, and we are beautified, and everything is perfect around us and in us, then we will serve God very well. Well, not only that God knows the end from the beginning, He has evidence that is not so. You know, the first evidence is Lucifer. Lucifer was decorated. Is that true? Everything, he was given the highest position. Not on earth, but where? What happened? He served God very well. He became a devil. Why? Because pride came into him. And pride became the mother of sin. It's pride that gives birth to the beginning, the foundation of sin. Why? Because Lucifer was decorated. He has evidence. So there is evidence, ample evidence, that it doesn't work that way. Praise the Lord. God knows that. We also know that there was no problem in the Garden of Eden before sin came, isn't it? Was there any problem? There's no problem. So if we are waiting for the day and we say, God, we will serve you very well when there is no problem, our evidence is wrong. Are we together? That's the first thing I want to say. 
but the tribulation of the righteous. You see, the symbol, the burning fire that does not consume is symbolic of the effect of God's presence in the midst of trouble. Moses looked at the fire was burning, the bush was not there. Are we together in Exodus chapter 3? It is a symbol that where God is, there is no trouble that can consume you. The Hebrew children, three of them, they were thrown into... Are we together? What happened to them? The fire did not uh, burn them. It had no power. Why? Because God was there. The reason the bush was not burned is because God was there. And the Bible tells us in Isaiah chapter 43 what, what happened. In verse 2. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. When thou walkest through the fire, what will happen? Thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. Why? Because he is there. Everybody say he is there. It is God's presence that is important. You see, it's not the absence of trouble or the abundance of good things that will bring joy into your life. Uh, how many of us believe that? Now, I'm going to tell you one thing. You know we are going to heaven. Now, <laughs> I don't see. <laughs> are you not going? Praise the Lord. And we will by the grace of God. And the devil will not stop us. But you know what? In heaven, the streets are gold. And we're going to have eh, mansions. Do you know in heaven, we are going to be joyful for eternity. Do you know what eternity is? Billions and billions of years. Brother, let me tell you one thing. The reason we are going to be excited after 10 billion years it's not because of the beautiful mansion or the street of gold. If you even have the beautiful mansion and street of gold today, and no trouble, for 100 years, you will be tired. You will get used to it. Am I correct? It cannot bring you any more joy. How many of us agree? The reason we are going to have joy on ending in heaven, in eternity, is because God is there. It's not because of those things. No, it's not. It is God's presence. The Bible says in His presence, there is fullness of joy. No matter the fire around you, as long as God is present with you, you will not feel it. And what I'm telling you is what we are reading about. The apostles say, I have exceeding in all, what does that mean? That means God is with him. That is just a simple thing. God with you means the fire cannot consume you. 
Full stop. The, what, the fullness of joy is not the absence of trouble or the abundance of riches or good things. It is the presence of God. And you need to know that. If we don't know that, then we won't understand. You won't understand the dealings of God if you don't know that. Because if you look through the Bible, you begin to say that God must be wicked. Yes, I'm telling you. Well, the tribulation. Jesus said in the world you will have what? But because you are in me, you will have peace. The, the Apostle Paul said in uh, Acts chapter 14 verse 22. It says, confirming the souls of the disciples and exhorting them to continue in the faith. And that we may be, we what? We must, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. Do we tell our converts that one? Somebody wants to give his life to Christ. You come and you say, this decision... We you, be sure that we are going to go through much tribulation. Is that what we tell them? Huh? Why? We think if we don't tell them that, they will not decide. So it's our sweet word, our convincing power that will bring them. Not the Holy Ghost. Do you see the problem? And when we know the word of God and we know the truth and we hide the truth, we are deceivers. When the man comes to Christ and then he gives his life to Christ and the devil comes and says, you are there. Uh, and trouble comes. He says, Mr. Pastor, come, come, come. What did you tell me? Uh, yes, indeed, I should have told you. Don't you think it's not correct that way? Is it correct? We must tell people the whole counsel of God. Be not a deceiver. Say, I will not be a deceiver. He said, he said, the Bible says, if we suffer with him, we shall reign. We don't want to suffer with him. We want to reign. He said, yea, and all that will live godly in Christ will enjoy. Will? No. What will happen? All that will live godly in Christ will... In Second Timothy, let's quickly look at the Bible because this will be very serious. I was expecting a chorus answer. In Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, Yea, and all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall enjoy. Are we there? Yea. And all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall what? That's the truth. You know, the Bible is true. If you, if you mistakenly take away, your name will be taken away from the book of... You know, you, you know, you, you, you know what is the, the, the thing in the, all the false religions of this world? They take a little bit out of the Bible. 
Do we know that? How many of us know that? Yes. All this religion. So if we too begin to preach only one part. You know most of us when we preach about faith in uh, Hebrews chapter 11. We don't go to the end. How many of us know that? Because if you go towards the end. Trouble. Read trouble. <laughs> but is, is that alright? We should read the whole Bible. Because. Stephen that was stoned to death. God loves him as much as Peter that was delivered from the prison. But let me tell you, God is good whether your account is empty or full. (laughs) You need to know that. God cannot change. You cannot tell me God is good only when the good is coming. No. Look at Job. Was Job a righteous man? Many of us don't want the experience of Job. Is it? But the truth is, God was with him. And today, he doesn't know even if there was any problem there. He's happily in heaven. You know the man that sang, Peace like a river. How many of us know that song? It is well with my soul. Do you know what happened to him? He is the contemporary Job. Horatio. It's his name. You know why he is the contemporary Job? He was uh, a Christian lawyer. A friend of uh, D.L. Moody. His child died this year. The following year, his investment in real estate Chicago Fire burnt everything. Two years later, his remaining four daughters died in shipwreck. That's when he sang, It is well with my soul. Do you know the source now? It is well. Horatio. Let me tell you God, who knows the end from the beginning, works out all things for our good. And if you believe that, you will praise Him, whether your account is empty or full. And when you do that, the joy of heaven that will come into your life, in fact, no fire will be able to stand it. The Bible says not even the clothes of the Hebrew children were affected. Clothes, you know, the dress. Not their bodies, the clothes. There can be no sign. That is, you can have fullness of joy in the midst of the greatest trial on earth. The Bible says Abraham was strong in faith, yet 25 years barren, barren situation. Isn't it? Uh, what, what, what about uh, Samuel? The Bible says God did not allow any word of Samuel to what? Fall to the ground. You know what happened? His children were children of uh, Belial. His children were not uh, following God. This is a man that, he said, God forbid that I will cease to pray for Israel. That it will be a great sin. You think he didn't pray for his children? Did God still use him? Did he have trouble? Plenty trouble. The God he loved so much, because of his children, the whole Israel asked for a king. Do you know how, how it is? 
Let me tell you, anybody that says it's because you don't have faith, that's why you have trouble. The person has not read there. Eh? You better believe me. Do you believe that? You know, we're told of the uh, faith of uh, Elijah. Elijah. Elijah was the one that called what? He called it down on Mount Carmel. Call it down on the fifties, on the armies. When Jezebel say, hey. <laughs> you know, this man ran like a baby, warm, you know, warm. You know. One thing I want to tell you, God is not ashamed of any part of his word, so don't go and cover it. Don't cover it on behalf of God. Well, you know, some of us are afraid to open some parts. Say if I open this one now, the people will misunderstand my God. They will think that my God is not good. God is not ashamed of his word. In fact, he has exalted his word above every one of his name. Look, it doesn't take much to become a false preacher. You just choose the good part and leave what you consider the bad part and you are a false prophet. We know how to become a false prophet now. Very easy. But that's not the will of God for you and me. The will of God is that we have the whole counsel of God. Praise the Lord. So there are troubles, tribulation of the saints. But then, I go to the resolve of the righteous. In Luke chapter 22, verse 42. In verse 42 of Luke chapter 22, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And there appeared, what? An angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Brethren, what is the resolve of the saints? The resolve of the righteous is in the word, nevertheless. Everybody say, nevertheless. Nevertheless is the resolve. Whatever problem we may have in our lives, please pray. Jesus prayed, isn't it? The apostle Paul, didn't he pray? Three times, in fact. Jesus also prayed, how many? <laughs> no, let's not be afraid to answer. <laughs> three times also, you understand? Both of them prayed, what? Three times. And what happened? After they prayed, God took away the troubles. Eh? No. Something happened though. What happened? The angel came and strengthened. In the case of Paul, the same person that was feeling the pain and said, God, take it away. He said, now I'm enjoying it. That is what it means when you pray. When you pray, God has the choice of taking away the problem or strengthening you beyond that problem. And we need to understand that. And so when they prayed, the angel came and strengthened him. How many of us want to be strengthened by the angels? Yes. So what brought that strength is a nevertheless. Say God, but not my will. Whether you take it or you don't take it, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to praise you more than ever before. 
That's what the Hebrew children say. They say, we are not careful. We know God can deliver. But even if He does, He doesn't, we are not going to bow down. What do you think happened? They were strengthened. Because they went into the fire, the fire could not consume them. That's what it means that, nay, in all these days, we are what? More than conqueror. It's not outside these days, it's inside. God's power is manifested inside that tribulation. And inside that tribulation, God can empower you that other people will be feeling it more than you. You are there in the fire and you are not feeling it. I'm telling you this is the truth. That's the power of God. But let me tell you, when you are in that fire, pride will be far from you. Do you see scavenger having pride? Ah, no way. No, it's not near him. Because everybody is is a ridicule. But then, he's delivered from the mother of sin. Right. It's the nevertheless. Say, God, I'm going to serve you. I'm going to go out and declare your word, declare your will, declare your love, declare your power. Even if I cannot see any power in my own situation. And you will see the power of God in your ministry. And such a power that you have not known before. So everything, every problem that is keeping you down, Focusing on it today. You say, Mr. Problem, I'm leaving you behind. I'm going out to ministry. I'm going to minister. I'm going out there to demonstrate the power of God. You can continue doing what you want to do. But let me tell you, when you do that, you will see a fire in your life. And that fire will be greater than any fire the enemy can light. (laughs) You, 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 you You know, they use fire to cut iron. You know that? Yes. That's it. You will become like that. A sharp, threshing what? Instrument. Why? Because you have accepted to be a worm. Praise the Lord. Then only we will understand the way of God. That is what it means to be a worm. Finally, because of our time, the reward of the righteous. We've talked about the resolve of the righteous. What is the reward? The first reward is, you know, when the Hebrew children were thrown in there, they were bound, they were tied, isn't it? The first thing that happened was, the thing that they used to tie them was burnt up. The fire will burn every sin out of your life. Purified by fire. In First Peter chapter 4, In 1 Peter chapter 4, I read verse 1 to 2. For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise. Prepare your mind with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has done what? Are we there? For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has done what? We don't want to read it loud. Cease from sin. How many of us want to cease from sin? It's the fire that burns it. 
Are you going to tell God, I'm willing? Let your will be done. But I am going to serve you and praise you, no matter what I see. No matter what I hear. No matter the problem. Let me tell you, when you do that, not only will you have the joy of God, every power of sin will be broken in your life. The fire burns the bondages. It burns the sin of your life. It says, He formed you in the furnace of affliction in Isaiah 48 verse 10. Say, behold, I have refined thee, not with silver. I have chosen thee where? In the furnace of the refining fire is the troubles. And there God purifies us. So the first reward of the righteous is that the fire purifies him. The fire does what? And the second reward is that the manifestation of God's power in his ministry. In Second Corinthians chapter 4. In Second Corinthians chapter 4, I read from verse 10. Always bearing about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, so that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our... Are we there? Verse 11, For we which live are always delivered unto death, for Jesus said that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then, death works, worketh in us, but life in you. You see, God's power comes upon you in that furnace of affliction. That's what Paul is saying. He said, death, you know, death is working in him, but what is working in the people is ministering to life. The power of God is working in their lives, but is troubling his own. Yes, that's what God said. He said, my power is manifested in weakness. And so I take pleasure, I enjoy all the troubles. Let them come. Let them come. I glory in it. We glory in tribulation, the Bible says in Romans chapter 5 verse 3. And this is the word of God. But is that all? No. In, uh, you, know, you, know, you, you know the power was manifested in the Hebrew children when, when Nebuchadnezzar was forced to make a decree that the whole land would serve the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Yes, that's power. Isn't that power? That's great harvest. But finally, the reward of the righteous is the crown of life. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 8. And unto the angel of the church of Smyrna write, This thing said the first and the last, which was dead and is alive. I know thy works. And what? Tribulation and poverty. But thou art rich. And I know the blasphemy of them which say that they are Jews, and are not, but they are the synagogue of Satan. Fear none of those things which thou shalt suffer. Behold, the devil shall cast some of you into prison, 
that they may, that ye may be tried, and ye shall have tribulation ten days. Be thou faithful unto death. And I will do what? I will give you the crown of life. My brethren, all the victories of this world, all the things of this world will not be comparable to that crown of life. That's why Jesus told the disciples, Nevertheless, in this rejoice not that the devils are subject to you. You are casting out devils, you are healing the sick, you are doing all that. He says, oh, no, 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 no. That's a small reward compared to your name being in heaven, the crown of life. That is where we are going. That is what matters in the end. It doesn't matter if you did all these things here and you are not there in the end. It is useless. You are of all men most uh, miserable. Brethren, that is the crown of life. The reward of the righteous. Are you ready for it? Do you desire it? Why don't we rise up as we pray? Simple prayer. Short prayer. Say, God, I want to do your will. I want to do your will. Not my will. Where I have focused on my problem. I focused on this world. Oh God, deliver me today. I'm going to focus on you, on your work, on your will. I'm going to focus on heaven. I'm going to focus on that crown of life. I'm not going to miss it. No one will take my crown. Father, we want to thank you for your words. You have spoken to us through your words. The whole counsel of God. The Bible says your words. The entrance thereof giveth light. It brings understanding to the simple. Father, we pray, cause this word to deliver us from error. And cause this word to cause our life to be a benefit and a, a blessing to this earth and this generation in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that every false doctrine that we have swallowed in the time past, by the fire of your word, oh God, let them be consumed out of our lives this afternoon in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, that as we go out, oh God, we will do your will. We will praise your name. Come rain, come shine, we are going to glorify you. And we are going to see your power in ministry. And we are going to see the backside of the devil. And your name will be glorified in this land. Blessed be your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's be seated. Let's turn to our Bible to First Corinthians chapter eleven. From verse twenty three. Now it's the time for us to go to the Lord's table. We have to prepare our hearts. I read from 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23. For I receive from the Lord that which I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, 
This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many are asleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. This Lord's table is prepared for the children of God, those who have accepted Jesus Christ as the Lord and Savior, and obey the Lord into waters of baptism. So, it is not as a ritual, it is the commandment of God, and we obey. And it is the ordinance of the church since the time of Jesus Christ. So we follow this because of the commandments of God and we encourage every one of you, those who accepted Christ and obey the Lord alone can take part in this. So now is the time for you to examine yourself. If you have any unforgiven sin in you, it's the time to ask the Lord for his forgiveness, then you are free to take part in this table. Let's close our eyes, examine ourselves. We have heard the word. Keep your word in front of you. God has spoken to us. With all of our infirmities, we cannot make it heaven. But only we have to have the grace and mercies of God. God has to forgive us. If we are free from sin, definitely we will make it is easy to make it heaven. When we come to union with the Lord's table, we have to identify ourselves with Christ as He has suffered, crucified, and He was buried. And he was he resurrected, and he is the living God. The word of God exalts us to remember very often. As often, how often as we do this, we have to remember the birth, the death, the burial, resurrection, and coming of the Lord. We have to proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Gracious Heavenly Father, once again we thank you for the bread and the wine which you kept before us. Lord, we do this 
and in remembrance of you and also it is you who commanded us to remember you o father it's our great privilege to come together in union among ourselves and with you there's the wine and the bread and as we are going to take part lord you will bless us and unite us and help us to remember your words of the last days of father in jesus name we pray amen As we drain the sun, we worship you. As we eat this bread, we honor you. And we offer you our lives as you have offered yours for us. We remember all you've done for us. We remember your covenant with us. We remember and worship you, O Lord. As we drink this cup. As we drink this cup, we worship you. As we eat this bread, we honor you. And we offer you our lives as you have offered yours for us. We remember all you've done for us. We remember 
your covenant with us. Lord, we remember and worship you, O Lord. We remember. We remember all you've done for us. We remember your sacrifice for us. Lord, we remember and worship you, O Lord. As we drink this cup. As we drink this cup, we worship you. As we eat this bread, we honor you. And we offer you our lives as you have offered yours for us. We remember all you've done for us. We remember your covenant with us. We remember and worship you, O Lord. We remember. We remember. All you've done for us, we remember your sacrifice for us. Lord, we remember and worship you, O Lord. As we drink this cup, we worship you as we eat this bread we honor you and we offer you our lives as you have offered yours for us we remember all you've done for us, we remember your covenant with us, we remember and worship you, O Lord. We remember, we remember all you've done for us. We remember your sacrifice for us. Lord, we remember and worship you, O Lord. We remember. We remember all you've done for us. We remember. Your sacrifice for us, Lord, we remember and worship you, O Lord.
let us pray. Father, we thank you for the privilege of partaking at your table. Lord, we ask that this communion will bind us together, bind us to your will, and empower us to go out to do your will. We pray let there be refreshing in every one of our lives on account of this table this afternoon. And let your name be glorified. Jesus' name we pray. Let's rise up to share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us now and forevermore. Amen. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our lives, and we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. Go in the power of the Lord.